Welcome to the Foreign to You podcast, an audiobook version of the novel Foreign to You, written by Jeremy Martin, that's me, and published by Nine Star Press. Finn is read by Jeremy Martin. Adelaide is read by Jana Sensnig. Enjoy! darts into the wilderness, a trail of lilies breaks free from the earth, illuminating my path. The flowers sway as I race past them, following a trail I had once before. Always ahead of me, the maiden with the scarred eye slips in and out of view. Whenever I see her, she's further away, waiting, but never agitated that I'm not fast enough to keep up. All she dons is a playful smirk. You must be quicker, she seems to taunt at each turn. The human boys struggle behind me, trying to keep up, yet I have no intention of them following me wherever this maiden takes me. You have more legs you can use, she whispers to me. As I dive through the underbrush, I tell my human skin to shed, to melt away into the whitest of furs. I don't care if I leave Finn and Marshall behind. I want the oblivion, the void of the animalistic mind. I will save myself. It's all that I can do now. My clouded thoughts cause me to stumble over a root. My hands skid across the dirt as I trip, the lilies blanketing my fall. No matter how many feet tread on them, they seem as perfect and soft as ever. When the lilies come to an end, the scarred maiden is standing at the end. Beside her is a second maiden from that night in the clearing. She smiles radiantly at me while her companion only scowls. I freeze as the two ghostly maidens move until they stand before me. They lift hands that glow foggily. One rests on my cheek while the other on my bloodied shoulder, and a warmth courses through the entirety of me. I close my eyes as a moan leaves me. A sense of wholeness envelops me, and all my scrapes, cuts, and aches vanish. When I open my eyes back up, the two are gone. And when I turn to look back, the lilies are as well. The human boys, limping and exhausted, crawl their way to me, gasping for air. Where are you running to? I study both of their genuine cluelessness. They didn't see the maiden, or the lilies, only I did. We are here, I state before taking a step forward. It happens as it did before. The air grows heavy, becoming as dense as water as I push through the other side. The trees, between one blink and the next, disappear to the sides of us, forming an oval clearing. A field that stretches as far as the eye can see is littered with enough lilies to make a snowy field jealous. Both boys are in awe of what surrounds them, mouths agape in astonishment. Look, Marshall says, his finger raised and shaking with disbelief. Several ghostly figures tend to the lilies with unwavering dedication. After a few steps, each figure fades into nothingness, only to appear miles away. They blink here and there, appearing at random. Who are they? Marshall asks. They can't be... He stares at me. Ghosts, I tell him. Not sure how or why, but knowing that they are. Maidens of the past. Suddenly, all of them freeze. Some are hunched over, playing with the lily's leaves. Others are in mid-step. As a single bloodied organism, all the ghostly maidens rise and stand up straight. As one, all their heads turn in my direction. And as one, their voices, coming from all directions, say, 
Welcome home, maiden. Next, they all turn and raise a single finger in the same direction, further into the field. Without much thought, I step forward and follow their direction. As I move, the lilies before me part, their roots coming to the surface and slithering through the grass like snakes. Each ghost I pass offers me a warm grin before twinkling out of sight. They do not pay much attention to the boys who follow me. Lily, lily, lovely lilies, bloom, wither, begin again, lovely lilies, they sing over and over, their voices beautifully intertwined. Lily, lily, lovely lilies, bloom, wither, begin again, lovely lilies. Eventually, I see a collection of trees resting on an island. The water surrounding the small island is the purest blue I've ever seen. When my feet brush at the bank of the pond, I glance down at the numerous fish that dance and slip around one another beneath the surface. After closer inspection, I can see a single tree on the island, gnarled and twisted with age. Images are carved in the bark, mostly unidentifiable, but some strangely human. I notice a form huddled between the exposed roots of the tree. A stag of golden hues rests beneath the glow of the tree while creatures, big and small, somehow weave in and out of his fur. I watch as a fox leaps from the nape of the stag's neck, chasing a hare between the god's legs, before disappearing back into the pelt. Flowers of various styles flourish endlessly about him, crawling over him like birds on a statue. He is effortlessly majestic, otherworldly. He is the stag, and lilies rest everywhere within sight. Welcome, maiden. The voice echoes through me, as if I'm just a screen the wind curls past. The words enter from every part of me. I hear and feel them all at once. As the stag raises his mighty head, he peels back his eyelids to expose two orbs, the whitest of fires. His attention centers onto me, and a force of emotion overwhelms me. I drop to my knees, my face reflecting against the pond's surface. I'm so sorry. I couldn't save them. I couldn't save anyone. My tears, no matter how many fall into the water, do not affect the reflective surface. I wasn't good enough. You are more than enough, my daughter. You always have been enough. Facing him once more, I see a number of the ghostly maidens surrounding him. Several brush his fur, causing the sparks to ripple from the hairs while others continue to tend to the thousands of lilies that encompass the clearing. All of them, in varied versions, resemble me. The face is what never changes. Despite the hair, the form of the body, and the color of the skin, it's always my eyes, my lips. All of them are me. Who are they? I ask, despite already knowing the answer. My thoughts hum with the voice of the stag, easing all my fears and anxieties. She is you. You are her. Past and future, present and always. You are all the same, I hear the stag tell me. One maiden is all maidens. It is never who you are, but when are you? Roots and vines break from the dirt and gather beneath the stag's mighty frame. Effortlessly, the foliage raises the stag into the air. Then the thick cords begin to twirl together, overlapping one another until four legs appear beneath the stag's body. Beginning to walk, the wildlife follows its god. Flowers, grass, and animals chase after the stag's every step. I watch in awe as his hoof treads the surface of the water. Without sinking an inch, the beast glides across the blue as effortlessly as he would the fields. The fish swim to the surface, ecstatically jumping before their god. Once his hooves make contact with the meadow, the flower petals and stigmas radiate effervescently. They glow from within, all of them stretching to get closer to the deer as he makes his way to us. When he stops before us, my frame trembles. 
my human body wanting to shed itself and praise my God in the most natural form. Meeting the fires within his eyes once more, the stag's presence ignites within me. It wraps around my heart tenderly, the warmth pushing away all the hurt before flowing into my head. It explores my memories, my thoughts, my everything. I know you have suffered, the stag voices, but I'm there with him, watching again how Anna and Caleb perished, how it felt to be mocked by the humans. He is there to witness my rage, the hatred that burns within my heart. Get out of my head! I hear Finn scream. When I look back, his hands are clenching his skull, his face contorted in agony. I notice the tears that also stream down the boy's face. I'm sorry, my son, for the pain that you have. Get out! Finn roars in rage, so physical it slaps my chest. Those aren't for you! You don't... Finn suddenly reaches for the knife at his side, pointing it at the god. Finn! Endless tears fell from the boy's eyes. I said, get out. You should not be ashamed, boy. I do not judge your transgressions as harshly as you do yourself. Marshall reaches forward and lowers the hand that holds the dagger. Finn, swallowing, keeps his eyes locked on the stag in sorrow, rage, and embarrassment. I know many things cause you to wonder, the stag announces, and I know it's not just me who hears his voice. Marshall, Finn, and I are all the same. Please, ask me anything. The lilies, I say. They are all identical in size and shape. I notice only a few with withering petals. They are very special. A maiden appears beside me, walking out of thin air. Her skin is the gorgeous brown of a doe's fur, and her hair is darker than tar, yet far more beautiful. Do you not know what lies within? What they hold? I can only shake my head, her splendor freezing me. She holds out her hand, and the lily combs into the air with the elegance of a charmed snake, the stem coiling around her forearm mesmerizingly. She extends her palm, flower and all, to me with a smile. Please, don't be afraid. I take her words as encouragement and reach for the flower, letting the petals brush against my skin. Instantly, a buzz zaps through my fingers, traveling up my arms until my heart is bursting with joy. The emotion overtakes me until I release a smile, and strange tears prick my eyes. A laugh echoes in my heart, but it's not here. The laugh is distant, the joy elsewhere. I blink, and the image of a child dashes between my lids. A boy chasing his sister. Wooden sword posed for battle. Is this... The impossibility of my question threatens to hold back my asking. But the maiden before me, me but not me, gives me courage with just a grin. Is this a boy in Norsewood? The maiden shakes her head. No, that boy is not now. He was. Is to be. He rests right now. Before I can say anything else, another lily crawls into her opposite hand. As she holds that to me, her lips turn downwards. Beware, this is not a life of happiness. I swallow as I touch the flower. The emotion that slices through my body is not happiness, but terror. In one impossibly long blink, I see a woman cowering in the corner of her home, her face bruised, her tears never ending. In another flash, she is pushing against a man who only seems to fight back all the harder. The maiden pulls the lily from me, leaving me with only tears. I see Marshall to my right, bent over, brushing his hand across the lilies, his face flickering through various emotions so quickly it could be viewed as comical. She will be rewarded in her next life, the maiden tells me reassuringly. She will meet the love of her life. She'll be happy. I don't understand, I tell her. But you do. You just won't say it aloud.
The maiden lowers the flowers back into the ground where they cuddle against the rest. Be unafraid. I look to the stag. These are people. They're souls, the maiden concludes as the stag nods his mighty antlers, and all of them will be reborn. They live, they die, they're never ending. This is insane, Marshall mumbles, his smile borderline inhuman. Finn, come here. But the young hunter's eyes have never left the stag. Against my own will, I reach for the maiden before me. My fingers brush her cheek, and yet somehow, against logic, they do not pass through her. You are... I start. I am you, she adds. We are... I start. The same, she adds. You've lived many lives, maiden. When the stag's words finish, the grove explodes with endless maidens. Some race about naked, others in dresses, more in the form of does. All of them prance and laugh as they play. I notice as they move that all of them have a single golden thread coming out of their chests. I follow the strands until they all end up in a single location, the skin above my heart. All of them sing, begin again, begin again. The maiden before me takes a step back, and I reach for her to keep her with me, but my fingers wave through thin air. These are all me? Marshall asks, his eyes moving rapidly across the fields. What we see must be individual, specific to ourselves. Finn's gaze is undisturbed. In a puff of golden dust, the maidens all vanish, filling the air with shimmering droplets. Do you want to see the start of it all? The stag asks, taking a single step forward. The lilies part, creating a circle around where a bright gold flower surfaces. Rising until it brushes my nose, the flower releases a thin cloud of pollen. The particles settle against my skin, giving off a single burn, wherever they land. I blink to clear my eyes, but the searing heat spreads until all I see... The garden stretches before me. Yet, Finn and Marshall are gone. I see the stag further down, grazing in the grass. He looks younger. The carefree way he prances across the plains gives him a childish wonder. As I watch him, I see the same tree that was centered in the pond, the size of it still awe-striking. Then time speeds up. The stag leaps and plays as fast as a hummingbird. The moon and the sun go around and around, and the stag begins to... slow. He doesn't prance with as much life. He becomes lethargic. Time crashes back into place clumsily when the tree starts to bloom. Just two flowers. Beautiful, complex, elegant things. As the flowers bloom, they drop to the ground. The stag sniffs the lilies, bewildered by this new addition of life. The tree knew I was lonely. The stag's voice finds me. It doesn't matter where I am. It vibrates in my bones. I knew that it was my turn to nurture life as it had done to me for endless amounts of time. Before me, the younger stag digs up a hollow trench with its hooves, nudging the lilies into the dirt, giving them a bed to rest in. It was my turn to be a creator, he tells me. This time, when time speeds up, the stag is full of life once more. He focuses his devotion onto a single flower, tending to it with meticulous care. He brings his flower water from the pond. He collects the sun in his coat and offers it to his creation. He slices open his leg and bleeds on the petals, showering them with his life. I gave everything to it. It was a part of me. It was me, the stag explains. Time recoils when a hoof sprouts beneath the flower. At first, the stag is as still as death, his eyes wide as he watches more and more mass spiraling from the earth. Eventually, the stag gets over his fear and starts to help. 
digging free whatever rises. Then I see myself. It is strange, but I know that the deer is me. I see it in her eyes, in the color of her fur, everything that she is. She is wobbly at first, her forelegs shaky and new, but the stag is there to help her, to teach her as a father would. Eventually, the doe prances and trots around the stag in a childlike wonder. Once she is bored of that, she races around the perimeter of the field in a bundle of energy. It's the first time I noticed that their world is rather tiny. I was, am, will forever be proud of my daughter. The stag's voice and words constrict around my heart tenderly. The maiden of the stag's heart. Their lives speed up. The doe a constant energy around the stag. Yet, as the time flies by, the doe stops her leaps and starts to calm herself, as the stag once had himself. The youth starts to drain from her until I can read the unhappiness from her snorts and the flickers of her tail, a content stage that troubles her. But I could not be everything for my daughter, as a tree could not be all that I needed. She needed something else. I went to the second flower, the one I had forgotten, and it was wilting, decaying from neglect. I pleaded to nature herself to create a companion for my daughter, to bring life to the second flower. Nature hears the stag's plea, restoring the vitality of the lily. Within moments, as it had with the doe, the dirt begins to break and separate. This time, the stag does not help the creature free itself. And sprouting from the earth is a being unlike anything he has ever encountered. This creature does not prance on four legs, but two. It does not have fur as majestic as his own, but is nearly bare. Thus, he was born, the first hunter. And that man was Finn. The boy hid beneath the tree, cowering in the shade as the beings were different. He watched the stag and the maiden enjoying the sun, playing in the grass, but he was not bold enough to join them. Days passed by as shooting stars. I had not created this creature, and because of that I did not know his mind, the difference that brewed in that space. After many attempts from the doe, the boy reaches out his hand. She, after waiting for so long, presses her head into his palm eagerly and the boy joined her in the fields. Time courses past me. Occasionally, I come across the hunter and the maiden, the two of them full of life, energy, and adventure, even though they do not share a common form. Time and time again, they come to me, bounding and a connection thriving between them. They're in love, I think. Finn and I are in love. The connection that was shared between the creature's transcended form shaped everything. I had not realized, by calling to nature, I had somehow bound these two souls together. My heart stops violently. This is impossible, I state. I could not love Finn. I didn't. Another shift, and the boy's at the edge of the fields. I notice now that nothing exists outside of the grass. Everything that falls past the border is white. But I was not enough for the son of the earth. He wanted more. Like nature, he wanted to expand to extend his domain. I blink, and I am right beside the boy, the hunter. He waits until the doe comes to his side before he opens his lips. The language that comes from him is foreign to me, yet the syllables are shockingly clear as they find an understanding in my mind. He does not love me the same, the boy states. The doe shakes her head, clearly trying to dispute him. She stomps her hooves into the ground to exclaim her disagreement. He did not create me as he did you, the boy tells the doe as he points back to the stag, who grazes lazily in the grove. 
He won't allow my mother's lands to grow. He only allows this small space to flourish. Imagine a world where there were endless fields. Imagine a place where there were more people like me. The doe cocks her head to the side in confusion, her only response being a quizzical glance. He is selfish. He only made one of you. Imagine if there were more of you. The doe did not completely understand the boy, for her everything was him. She was content with the grove, with her existence. Yet the boy's words caused a yearning to grow in my daughter's heart. My neglect inspired jealousy and bitterness to fester within the boy. He does not want me here anymore. He would be happy if I left. I am but a pest to him, a mere plaything for his child. The boy turns to the doe, his eyes finding hers, and he smiles. If I leave this place, would you be sad? The doe does not hesitate. She nods vigorously. Then would you come with me? The boy, not waiting for the doe's answer, takes a step into the white, away from the grove. As soon as his foot touches the ground, he vanishes. The doe, fearing the loss of her companion, follows him without hesitation. Again, the scene vanishes. This time, I find the boy, the first hunter, standing in a sea of green. Endless rows of trees surround him, climbing into the blue sky, swaying into the gentlest of breeze. The boy laughs and spins in circles, trying to take in the world around him. Finally, his gaze finds a creature similar to himself. A girl stands behind him, with golden eyes and hair as white as snow. As soon as my daughter left my domain, her form was tainted. The furs fell from her, and she was given what she truly desired, humanity. The two were in such awe of one another that they didn't notice the grove was nowhere to be seen. Instead, hand in hand, they began to race through the forest. They run, somehow, for days on end. They spend their nights beneath the stars, their days beneath the clouds. The boy teaches the girl his language, and the girl teaches him the way of the land. Together, they discover the world that waited outside of the stag. Yet, my daughter was not made to be man. She was made in my image. The world shifts until I see the boy waist-deep in a river, splashing in the water with childish glee. The girl waits on the bank, studying her love patiently, until she doubles over. The boy does not notice how she suffers at first. While he plays, the girl twists and turns, her body contorting in silent agony. When she cries for help, it's too late. The boy rushes to her side, finding that the girl is no longer human, but a hybrid of both beast and man. Blinded by her pain, she reaches for her lover, for solace, but she is not careful. The boy's body falls, his blood staining the river crimson. The maiden was also the first feral. Fleeing into the forest, she cries out to her father, her creator. Time passes differently in the grove, the stag explains to me. The two had been gone for a human equivalent of years, but to me, it was but a breath. When I turned, I noticed that I could not find my daughter. The stag finally leaves the grove himself, dashing into the white after a distant scream. As he runs, a trail of white lilies follows him. But when the stag finds his daughter, it's too late. I could not save her from the sins of man. She had left. She had chosen for herself, and that was beyond my design. She pleaded for mercy. I watch as the stag meets his daughter amongst the rocks and leaves. I witness as he lowers his mighty brow and plunges his horns deep into her chest. And I saved my daughter. The next memory that surfaces is of the stag at the tree, bowing before it. I, in turn, pleaded for the tree to take my life. As I waited on my end, I noticed two flowers before me. 
I felt the life of my daughter still brimming within. I knew that she would begin again. The stag, suddenly, tears the second lily from the ground. He turns and dashes back into the world, leaving his grove behind. I would not allow man to corrupt my daughter once more. I found the body of the boy, the son of nature, floating in the river still. In fury, I threw the lily on top of him, casting him from the grove. Returning to his home, the stag notices that his daughter's lily has begun to brown. In panic, he tries to water the flower, offer it his blood, but the lily's petals droop, sag, and continue to die. In his last hopes, the stag takes the lily from the grove and plants it out in the forest, where she flourished. When I allowed nature to create her son, she cursed my daughter, for without him, she began to wither. Time speeds up once more. The maiden is reborn, roaming the forest as both deer and woman. She exists peacefully until, one day, she finds where the trees end. I had not known that when I cast out the son of nature, his soul drifted down the river and floated by on the wind, eventually settling into the treeless lands, where he flourished. Where the two met, the world began, and the scene blends away. The creation of all is the first thing I hear when I blink and return to the present time. That is what you have witnessed. I turn, looking for Finn, and find his eyes as wide as mine must be. We mirror each other's fright. A cycle, I start, unsure how to finish the sentence. And that's where it began? The stag nods in approval. I do not know why, but the souls of the first hunter and maiden are intertwined. Because of that, the maiden, my daughter, could not exist in this place. Man cursed her with mortality. I'm sorry we're such terrors, Finn finally speaks. I have, my entire existence, believed the stag to be god of all, to be a doting father for all creation. But that is not the truth. He is the god of the Fianna, nothing more. The hatred I had begun to brew is nothing compared to the injustice the stag felt was brought onto him. You stole my daughter from me. You tricked her into entering the mortal world, Hunter. Because of you, she would live and die over and over. The stag shifts his mighty weight, raising his head higher. Yet I have tried, each life she is gifted, to bring her home, to cure her. What do you mean? I ask. The stag explains. The connection that held you in their world was love. It was the companionship to the boy that prevented you from coming home. I place a hand against my chest as my heart roars. I have permitted your lives to continue as one, and for the cycle of time to keep turning as the ages have passed. You've come to your own conclusion, have you not? I swallow. The humanity you wanted is no good. Only darkness resides in man. No matter how many lives you live, you cannot escape that. It hunts you. It chases you. But not here. Here, you would be safe. You did this, Finn shouts, his voice cracking with intention. You pretend to be an innocent bystander. I have allowed the world to unfold as it wishes. Finn takes a step forward, and I notice the knife still in his hand. You did more than that. Finn points to the tree in the center of the pond. Beneath the shade are the two lilies from the vision. The first hunters and the maidens. They are not pure and white, but sagging and begging for life. Yet, beside the first hunters is another flower. The stag is silent. You claim that mankind is the true enemy to your daughter, yet you orchestrated the hatred between our species. Doesn't that seem a little backwards? Finn blinks hard, his attention quickly finding a new target. That flower... 
I studied the lily well, but it does not trigger the same response in me that it does Finn. I know what I'm about to say might be insane, but hell, have you seen the kind of situation we're in? Water wells up in Finn's eyes. That damn flower! Finn closes his eyes and smiles peacefully, despite the tears and trembling lips. Only one person ever made me feel this way. Your mind has found truth. Do not let it scare you. Finn squares his shoulders, stands up tall, and faces the stag with the courage of a bear. That's Jay. Chapter 45 Finn Adelaide is lost in her thoughts, and Marshall, overwhelmed, crouches over the ground. My throat is my own worst enemy right now, closing so tight that it is a struggle to even breathe. But I continue. You said love was what tethered Adelaide's soul to this world. Yet, you tried to change that. You wanted to remove her anchor. The stag waited, because he knew that I would not stop. You planted another soul beside the first hunters. Regardless of what I say, regardless of the truth that settles in my gut, I can't accept that the first hunter is me, that we are the same. You claim to have watched this tale unfold, yet you were the one controlling it. Everything I have done, I have. You wanted me to believe that you are merely a spectator in this world. But it's said that each time the maiden is reborn, the ferals rise in numbers. People die again and again. Humans blame the Fianna, the maiden. Eventually, that hatred takes shape. Scenes of previous maidens being murdered by the humans fills my eyes as I speak. The grove voluntarily offers up its paths to fuel my outrage. You allow her to be tortured, to be killed. You stand by and you do nothing. You watch as your daughter moves further and further from humanity and closer to you. I think about how feverishly Adelaide searched for her god, how she believed effortlessly that was her destiny. And it was. A fate not crafted by herself. You baited her into finding you time and time again. The ferals rise, the human's anger rises, the myths, the legends, all of this so that she'll come and find you. That was just a pawn? I stare at the grass, at my feet. My father found this place, didn't he? He came here, and you killed his love. You caused him to be... The human came into my domain and I simply cast him out. It isn't that simple, though. You broke him. You made it so that the only person I could rely on was Jay. You made it that my father would never show me... I can't finish my thoughts, so I simply growl in the back of my throat. You became closer to the one you cared for. If you did not suffer, you would not know compassion. That isn't for you to decide! I scream. How could you... Adelaide asks her god with a subdued voice. From the beginning, man tempted you, maiden. You wanted to be with him, wanted to live his life. To make you happy, I allowed it. I allowed you to, each life, live beside him, to find him. Each time she was reborn, she was a blight to humanity. Each life she lived, it was hell. I cast my accusation at the god, throwing it at his feet. She would suffer for but a breath before existing in bliss for eternity. Adelaide shakes her head, tears crashing down her face. I did not ask for this. You toyed with my life. It doesn't matter what came before this moment. 
all the times that man has suffered because of a god's anger. But in this life, I lost Jay. I watched him die. You took him from me. I did not kill the boy. The world continued to turn because of your inaction. Your games, he died. Because of your inaction, your games, he died. The stag moves forward, the flames in his eyes sparkling brighter. You wanted your daughter. I look back at Adelaide. Well, here she is. Take her. Adelaide recoils, backing up. The stag begins to near his daughter, and as he moves, his frame shrinks until he is the size of an average Fianna. Adelaide's eyes switch between her god and me. This has all been for you, the stag tells her. And now the bond is weak. It is weak enough to break. I see Adelaide's mind, her soul, at work. She looks at the flowers beneath the tree. She sees the life they lack. She does not hate the humans. She must hate me. If you stay too long in their world, you will begin to change. You will lose yourself. You will suffer. But here you are safe. This time, Adelaide looks down at my hands. Finn! Before, in a town where nature had reclaimed it, I had aimed my gun at a god. I felt my demons rise and choke me. The guilt was thick and impossible to accept. And at that time, I did not know if the choice I made was the correct one. But now, my soul soars as I plunge my dagger through the stag's chest. The Hunter I sink the blade deeper into the god, twisting the handle as I dig. This time, it should count. Instead of blood leaking from the wound, thick cords of golden light slither around the knife. They wrap around my hand, my arms, and eventually my entire chest. You are a fool, the stag tells me, and I can hear it in his voice that he is dying. The radiance of his coat is dimming. His antlers are withering. Without me, you will truly die. The cycle will end. I try to remove the knife, to stab the creature again, but I am locked in place as tendrils of gold continue to encompass my body. Beneath me, the ground cracks and splinters into pieces. The lilies, one by one, flicker out. Their light dims until they are regular flowers. You have damned the world, hunter. I have freed it, I say. As the stag dies, the grove begins to collapse. I do not know where Marshall or Adelaide are, but I start to sink into the soil. The cords have begun to darken, turning into ropes of black. Slowly, they work their way into my body, breaking through my flesh to find my organs, my blood. You did this, I tell the god as he dies. You wanted this hatred, this anger. You wanted a fury powerful enough to break destiny. The ground drops from beneath us, and both the god and I fall into darkness. Even as my eyes, heavy and tired, begin to droop, I think of Jay over and over. I see his smile, his death, his laughter, his blood, all of it, perfectly intertwined. It does not matter how I found him. It does not matter how our lives came to be. I would do anything for you, he had once told me. And while I held him, while he died, I was silent. It is now, more than ever, that I wish I could have told him the same. It is only right here, right now, that I can finally prove I would do anything for the boy I miss every day. The Maiden When the stag falls, the flowers begin to wither. They start to brown, slowly at first, but eventually they lose their petals and disintegrate into ash. As they disappear, 
Every painful cry buries beneath my skin. A barrage of images course through me till my very being is stretched over an eternity of lives. I see deaths, births, rebirths, and death again. I see happiness and darkness walking side by side. I scream, I laugh, I sob. I feel the highest of joys. Then, as the stag finally crumbles to the ground, the memories fade. When Finn tips over, they completely vanish. Between the god and boy, I run for Finn. Finn! I scream, the ground beneath him breaking and sinking. Finn! Marshall grips my hand and runs towards the exit to the garden. I fight with him, screaming as the body of the stag starts to slip beneath the ground. I don't turn until I watch as the body of Finn also vanishes. Passing through the entrance to the cave, we find ourselves in the forest with our next step. Dazed and momentarily confused, it's Marshall who regains the command of his body first. He continues to run, keeping a tight hold on me. The ground continues to shudder and shake. Several trees cry out as their roots bust free from the dirt. When they collide with the ground, a loud explosion sounds off. Before us, I see the wall of vines. They no longer stand erect, though. As the ground tosses and turns, the vines slowly begin to collapse. Marshall keeps running, does not even slow down as we approach the tangled mass quickly. Even when we stand before it, Marshall shoulders into the vines. They snap easily as he plows through them. They are as frail as dried out twigs. Breaking free, Marshall collapses into the field of green. He tumbles and rolls, his arms and legs bloody. I fall with him, hitting the dirt hard. I get on my hands and knees and stare back into the forest. Tree by tree, it slowly starts to unravel. No, I think. I try to get on my feet, but I'm too weak. Finn! I shout, hoping that he might hear me, that he might come running out of those trees. We could have had a second chance, I want to scream. We could have done it over. We could have fixed it the next time. I scream and scream, but I'm not sure what comes out of my mouth any longer. What's going to happen now? Marshall asks from beside me. I put my face in my hands, wiping at the tears, trying to pull away all the despair. When I pull away, my palms are streaked with red. I notice a single dark vein. Marshall studies my face, the tears of blood, and the black strings glowing beneath my skin. War, I tell him, as the world begins to crumble. A war has begun, and the cycle ends. Thank you so much for sticking with us and finishing the Foreign to You podcast. Thank you to everyone that has said such kind things and been really supportive through this whole thing. And I would like to take this time to shout out Jana Mae Sensnig, who voiced Adelaide. I'm sure I don't need to tell you guys, but she is amazing, super talented. And again, I really recommend going and checking her out if you have a story or anything professional you need a copy editor to look at. Her website again is janamae.co, J-A-N-N-A-M-A-E-C-O.com. And if you guys enjoyed the story, or even if you didn't, I would love to hear it. If you want to find me on Instagram at G-E-R-M-Y-M-21, or leave a review on Amazon or Goodreads or wherever you 
like to tell people how much you enjoyed or did not enjoy a book and recommend it to a friend, this podcast, the book, whatever. I really enjoyed making this for everyone to listen to and my goal from the beginning was to make my story as accessible as possible and I hope that through this entire experience I did that. Thank you to everyone that's tuned in, that's supported me, that's been there from the beginning. You guys are amazing. I couldn't do this without you. And just know that the story of Adelaide, Finn, Marshall, Hazel, that's not over yet. But I guess you just have to wait and figure out what happens next. Thank you guys so much. Mm-hmm.